0: Hello everyone, I am Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social and we have a fantastic guest from halfway around the world, still part of the architecture community, still part of REBA and this is what's really interesting, I've been, I've been locked in, in the COVID. I've been, I've been told to stay at home, so it's really nice and refreshing to hear from someone in the architecture community who is in a different part of the world. So Andy Shaw, who is the chair of Reblack Golf Chapter. How are you today, sir?
1: Very good, thanks. Thank you for the introduction. Okay, so, Nice to meet you.
0: Yeah, great. And we've got it all working because you know what it's like, we were going to do a video interview, weren't we Andy? But. You know what it's like, the audio works, so we'll jump in. So amazing. So glad this is all working. And so for anyone that has not met you before, I'm going to do a little brief introduction now. And I've got I've got my new soundboard, which I'm sure you will appreciate as well. Mm-hmm. So before I had my traditional band and my horns. Mm-hmm. But we've got we've got the full samples. We can pretend like we're in a virtual audience. So Andy, you are an architect, an educator, and currently you're based in Dubai, uh, working on various projects in the UAE and the UK, and elected as uh, to the role of chair uh, of REBA Gulf Chapter in Jan 2020. Wow, that must have been a baptism of fire. <laughs> a, a perfect time to be the chair. So thank you for coming on. And how is everything at the moment? Is everything look, looking better in, in the gulf at the moment?
1: I think overall it is, actually, yeah. Um, you know, it depends if you want to talk first about COVID situation or building situation. We we'll can do both.
0: <laughs> both. We'll do both. It's um, all intertwined here at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't want to rub it in for you guys, but, yeah, there's been, there's not, been a, there was a harsh lockdown a year ago, uh, mm. about, like everywhere else, like March, April, um, but since then, no, no lockdown. There's restrictions everywhere, like temperature checks. Not, uh, even though like the Opera House is running, most thing, almost everything's running. But, well, university's online, so we're teaching online almost fully, just a few in-person classes. Um, you can go out and about, do most things, but just with caution. Everyone wears masks everywhere. There's a, that's quite policed, quite strictly, as in you, you're, you're right. told off a few times before you get fined or anything. But, you know, there are people right. watching. Um, yeah, checks to every building, a bit of reduced capacity here and there, but a pretty normal life otherwise, actually. Um, it helps, It's a bit warm and a lot more outdoor activity, beaches and things, you know, open, there are a few parks and things in Dubai, golf courses, uh, so there's not maybe quite as an indoor based lifestyle, um, but there's still obviously been COVID cases and problems, And but that's, uh, along the UK, I think a very good vaccine rollout as well. They've
0: Amazing. Don't over half the Amazing. population
1: here. Um, they yeah i got vaccinated a few weeks ago they started Amazing. off a bit free-for-all and then they well a bit of priority a bit of free-for-all then they did it by age and now i think now they've made it again if, if you sign up and find an appointment or if you walk in and you're lucky it's not quite as structured as uk but they managed the i think uh yeah one of the top three i think well last time i looked like second for vaccinations uk was third um but there's still yeah you can't travel here from UK at the moment. They did have a lot a lot of UK people came over for Christmas time to enjoy the weather, mm. um, and now but see now it's coming up to summer where one thing living in the Gulf it's uh, what's like a perfect British summer maybe for you guys when it happens in like August or something. It's like that here November to February March, kind of warm sunny every day, do nice things outside. But from about n- now it's like April, May till September, it's not very nice to be outside. It's too hot. Really? So okay. it's like, like being in other um, countries know, Canada is too cold in the winter or other places. Here it's kind of so hot that you're kind of forced indoors. There are, there's obviously a cinema. That's why you have big malls like in America. There are a few galleries now, and there's uh, not the same kind of concerts and things as the UK, obviously, but there's normally something going on. Um, but yeah, you're kind of more and more restricted indoors. Even now, evenings are bearable, but in a month or two, even. So in this, anyway, I try and leave the country in the summer when I can, actually, and go to, to Europe for a little bit and work remotely. So that, that getting better is <laughs> going to be a big bonus. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, the, it's normally very, very nice weather here for the, the, winter, the winter half, and the summer half is a bit different. And you have to adjust.
0: Um, amazing amazing so well i tell you what and the um, after all this here as soon as the airport's open i think there's a good chance i'd love to meet you in person but imagine if we wind back the clocks a little bit because yeah. currently you're a managing partner for ama which yeah. is a you know that is a boutique contemporary design firm based in Dubai. but yeah. let's wind the clocks back a bit because i'm looking here uh now and So I can see that you used to work at Hopkins before. Mm. I've worked with um, the architecture practice in London, which is a great studio. But, I mean, they're based near, was it, Paddington Station. So we're talking, we're talking Mm. like um, really, really Baker Street area and quintessential London. So at one point, you must have made the decision to move to Dubai. And Mm. and I'm sure that's changed your life. And so Mm. what... um, what kind of made you have that right uh, decision at that time? Um, mm-hmm. Was there a particular time that you moved out to Dubai and you've never looked back? Um, and uh, I'd love to know your mm-hmm. journey.
1: Yeah. Um, interesting question. A f- few things happening at once, but uh, important to look back and reflect. Now, uh, I'll just tell you my age. It might make more sense. I'm 43. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> But why well, that's important, I graduated in uh, 19, part
0: one, 99. Oh, Andy, the so, microphone. It sounds <laughs> like you're shouting. I enjoyed
1: that. You're like,
0: I'm 43.
1: <laughs> 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 sorry, don't touch the mic. Sorry.
0: <laughs> you're fine. It's um, all good. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, just, Carry yeah. so on. if I told you the rest, you'd guess it anyway. So, I graduated 99 in London. Grew up in Scotland. Moved down to London. Studied mm. part one and two there. I worked there. Uh, for 10, 12 years, and generally really loved it, a great time. That right. period before financial crisis, because some of your listeners may have missed all that, was actually a really great time, and that one thing, the, the concept of losing your job didn't really exist, <laughs> there's like, the worst <laughs> that would happen is you, didn't, you wouldn't get a pay rise, uh, right. you, could, you know, uh, quite a quite different very positive atmosphere, office atmosphere is very good. Um, from what I can see, you know, salaries haven't moved that much in the 20 years, uh, well, a bit late, 15 years since then, even. Um, so it was a very fun, great time. Financial crisis, quite a big change, actually. And just, first of all, atmosphere. In the mm-hmm. office I was in, things got you know, a bit more cautious and cliquey um, because you didn't know what was going to happen next. Obviously, redundancies all over the place. The um, whole atmosphere changed a bit. Um, and around that time, actually, so a few years after that, when it was kind of kicking in like the aftermath of the financial crisis, I was starting to think I, I wasn't enjoying London as much as I used to. Right. I just got a bit older. You know, when you get older, you kind of realize, oh, now I, I, you feel the lack of space and intensity a bit more and maybe, you know, going out and about less which you do in your 20s. Um, mm. So I'd had a great time, but I felt it kind of ending. I wasn't enjoying it so much. I was also sort of thinking I'd only lived in the UK in two cities. I sh- I'd like to... I'd never studied a, a year abroad or anything like some friends had done. So I wanted to really experience another country uh, before it was too late. And I'd started mm. looking around. And at that time, like Asia, it was p- quite possible to go to Asia and work for one of the British firms there. It'd be quite feasible. And it turned out um, a former sort of boss from Hopkins uh, had taken a senior job in Dubai and asked me to come join. And it took mm. about a year to happen. Um, but after a bit of because it was a very tough time here as well, actually, there was a fallout of the crisis, but eventually it did happen. Um, and so I managed to yeah get a, a change of scene and a change of country. Similar time, actually, I'd met my wife at the same time, and she was also keen for a change. Um, and yeah, there's a bit of a feeling of change. There's uh, I think the financial crisis quite a, quite a big part thought, after going through that, and I. Mean, I it didn't, I kept my job and things. It didn't affect me directly, but it just changed the mood. <laughs> and, uh, I, can I, think, I think then it, it's been up and down a bit since, but there's still a bit of an aftermath of it. Um, so there was those few things. There's kind of one, there was a bit of the keenness to get a change of scene, but also then a draw of coming somewhere new. Didn't have a plan to stay here 10 years, though. Was a bit playing it by ear. Thought it may lead to something else. But didn't really know, but I was keen for a bit of a change. Um, I think also in my job, I was quite happy that it got a bit I'd been in the one company for over 10 years uh, and wanted a, a bit of a change. I was mm. doing lots of rendering actually at the time and um, was keen to do a few other things but I was, I was a bit stuck in the rendering hole. <laughs> you just
0: keep doing oh. it. Oh, you were, you were, you were doing <laughs> the 3D this. Yeah. Once you get to, sometimes when you get, you're very good at that and you have an eye for it. That can be, that can be your go-to thing. But I can see, I mean, the Hopkins, query practice and so then you move to RMJM, as you said. So I imagine... Uh, That's quite a, uh, I mean, uh, my, uh, tell me from right or wrong, RJM, yeah, great company, but they're quite, and they're quite a large company. So it was, was it a big office that you went to when you moved out, or was it more of a smaller satellite office? Mm. Or so what was the setup back then?
1: Well, so what, uh, you know, uh, they're from actually my hometown, Edinburgh, and I knew a bit about them, mm. but what I didn't appreciate was that uh, outside the UK, they were like, you know, the big, very big deal. In Hong Kong and Dubai, they're one of the most popular yeah. companies. they multidisciplinary yeah. engineering, ID, acoustics, everything in house, one-stop shop. They would have had hundreds and hundreds of people, um, and they had proper kind of offices in all these countries, rather than you know satellite office serving the UK design office, which other ones have. Um, mm. When I joined, they were still pretty big, um, but they were going through a very turbulent period, uh, and eventually, like the engineering department was sold. Um, so that's, and that became just architecture. Um, so that when I joined it was a few hundred people, it was a big place. Yeah. Uh, but then once the engineering was sold a few years later, it was down to more like 60, 70, but still quite big. Um, but yeah, they're quite working in the Gulf is already a bit wild. <laughs> some, uh, some funny things happen. <laughs> it's, it is, it's an emerging market that has lots of opportunities and that things happen quickly. Uh, big ideas get pushed through quickly, but also some crazy things happen.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think um, it's a, it just seems like such a different landscape, literally. And um, as you say, I love the idea of these crazy adventures. And I mean, it's a testament to the kind of buildings and, and the scope of stuff that uh, you see is amazing. I mean, just to we will continue and talk about. Uh, in particular because you also you do a lot of teaching which is amazing Mm -hmm. as well Um, but just to touch upon that you you talked about like these amazing stuff it is absolutely the projects out there because I was involved in recruiting for one of the Amala projects as well Mm -hmm. and we're talking stuff out of the imagination creating islands Mm -hmm. creating destinations these buildings which almost defy gravity and you and something that you just think you'd never see. It's it's absolutely amazing. So the scale and the size and the, and the imagination of the projects are absolutely mind-boggling. Have you worked on any one or two in particular yourself, which is pretty um, notable or big? Or- um-
1: I've been working on recently, but I can't really talk about it. Uh, oh, confidential, James Bond. Yeah, yeah. We don't want you
0: to, <laughs> I don't want you to get shot or anything. I don't want to get you in trouble. You, exciting <laughs> confidential projects.
1: Next, uh, I've been invited to the British Embassy next week.
0: I don't know why <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'll take your mic down again though. <laughs> you said that too loud. they're going to hear so. you. <laughs> the British embassy that's amazing, though, yeah. isn't it? That'd cool. be cool. That would be interesting. Um, obviously,
1: you again you, when you're outside the u k you know they're quite active in helping business along uh then construction is part of it, and there's some you know Atkins are a very big player across the region, and uh, a lot of mm. British companies. Fosters doing a huge amount of work around here as well um, yeah. Yes, I have I've been involved in uh, some very 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 interesting projects. Um I, I can't get into too much detail. I'll, one example, one was maybe because it's kind of um shows what you're saying and maybe I can explain a bit why. There's the the region doesn't have – is well 50 60 years ago it's just pearling and very uh, taking pearls out of the water and before that fishing um, yeah, there's all these pictures. You'll find these in a you know, desert with a few one or two towers and some uh, very different lifestyle oil obviously changed everything developing very quickly, but So it does have its culture and things it's proud of but it, it doesn't have real the, the depth and the the age It doesn't have an old institution like Cambridge University or MIT Or Ariba or anything like that. It's just it's it had right. a very low population. So it means i are more focused on the future and they like making a... Whilst they, they are proud of the heritage and past, they, they, also, they like looking at the future and trying to make a mark on the future.
0: Which is yeah. why
1: there's things like the Mars probe, the UAE had a probe going on Mars recently. Um, and they make these big splash projects and that's what Saudi's doing now. And it's not, you know, they don't just want a resort. They want a super sustainable resort using new materials and new, and new experiences. So there's this, there is an aspiration, ambition to do new things that make a mark. And sometimes they do hit the mark, maybe sometimes not quite, but there's a... Um, Many times there is that interesting aspiration, and as you know, one project I'm involved in, they wanted to uh, they brought in these experts from like California, Australia, here, all, all over the place, and they discussed you know how we haven't got a MIT, Cambridge institution, don't I think. How do we make one? If we can't make one, how do we make a new thing? How can we rethink education? What it means yeah. for the, the locals, for adults, for everything? Uh, how if we're starting scratch, how do we do it? And you know we're happy to support it. That kind of thinking is what, you know is quite inspiring to be around to really kind of look ahead and think oh how can we do things better differently Um, and it happens quite quickly because the government's quite directly involved and pushy there's not not much bureaucracy or layers Mm -hmm. or other things that come in to interfere when there is a kind of vision it can normally happen quite quickly Um, at the same time I've worked on lots of projects that went nowhere (laughs) to say I've got a Mm -hmm. list somewhere luckily a few have been built but it's probably only like 20 percent or something Uh, I'm sure when I worked in the UK, more than half got built, Um, but quite a few here worked on them and then just got stuck, didn't happen.
0: Well, when you were talking about that, um, it seems quite liberating because when I worked in practice, I worked for a few years, so I worked at a company called EPR Architects and Mm -hmm. we were predominantly working on London-based projects. And when you were saying about building stuff for the future, I almost giggle in my head because I get flashbacks of... Um, dealing with Westminster Council and uh, you know, the kind of fitting in with mm. London standards, which is which is great, and I love London. But it is a, there is so much of a, of an impetus on making sure that your building fits fits with the existing context. However, in what you're yeah. on about, there's a big element of it. it. Sounds like placemaking, isn't it? Because you're making yeah. destinations of the future, which, on one mm-hmm. hand, is super kind of refreshing because you're like, hey, mm-hmm. I've got no one to argue about what goes where because you almost have like, a, you, have a, you have a blank canvas in some of these places mm-hmm. to make this project. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds fun and exciting. And don't worry, yeah. I don't think we give anything away and I'm not interested in upcoming projects, mm-hmm. but it's just more for the listeners here to, mm-hmm. to imagine this stuff. It is. Uh, like it is destination places, and as you as you say, in Dubai is a really good example, isn't it? Where you've got all the you've got the fantastic. I forget the exact name of it, but you've got the the island with the Palm Beach Island, and you've you know creating yeah. stuff where there isn't wasn't yeah. projects.
1: I mean, again, there's those classic pictures like from the Marina Palm area. Which is, I came with Hopkins for a month fifteen years ago, and I remember driving there, and it was really. Mm. sand and some cranes and then now it's like this kind of mini Toronto I think I'm shouting mini Toronto don't worry (laughs) (laughs) uh, this is the most this
0: is the most fun interview (laughs) I've had so far it's a shame we we couldn't do the video because it (laughs) would be a right kick
1: off Uh, so Um, so yes the the palm um, is one iconic that that didn't exist 20 years ago it just came from nothing and to see that quite frankly, it's quite crazy Hmm. it's mostly developed now. There's talking in others and there's always a bit more work being done around the, the coast. But yeah, anybody that doesn't know, go look at Google Earth and just think that's a bit crazy. <laughs> it's like someone's photoshopping the coastline.
0: I know, I know. It, 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 is, it is amazing. It is amazing. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And look, I mean, if anyone was watching this here in the room, I can see you beaming from year to year. So you take great pride in what you've done. And I can see why you're a great representative to be the chair of Reber Golf. But just before we got that, because as we touched upon lately, so you used to do 3D visualizations before, you're an architect, you you know you've got this amazing um I guess breadth of of, of a career. But let's talk about this because it is interesting. So you you've been a professor at two hmm. universities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so is there anything else you don't do that <laughs> doesn't got a new LinkedIn or
1: uh, no it's all there <laughs> <laughs> it's all there okay yeah.
0: well isn't that it's, do, well, it's amazing yeah. Yeah. so you into like teaching
1: yes uh, I mean that's maybe another interesting story where hmm. after working here for several years and being eventually again a bit ground down by a big practice in machinery uh, hmm. I had a friend that was kind of freelancing and working more on his own contract because here you have, you have your visa is linked to your job um, and you know, it's fine, right. you can change right. job. it's just not quite as easy as the UK, but you, you're, your right to live in the country is basically linked to your job. Um, Got it. But, so you, but you can have your own visa, and then you're like a freelancer, and you can plug into other companies. Um, so and I kind of was getting tempted by doing this, and I started doing that, and I had a, some medium and long-term gigs. It's still kind of like being the same, but without, I found it quite refreshing, not plugged into the whole politics and structure of an office. You're just, you know, you're there for nine months or three months or a few weeks, then I mean, you're off. I, also t- I started having, a f- uh, start having my child, uh, first child was on the way anyway, and I could see mm. uh, it's, there is quite a, sadly here, a bit of culture of long hours because you get crazy deadlines. Um, right. We try and relax when there's not crazy deadlines to balance out, but there's often you just, you got to work late, or work weekend. And I could see the people with children at home, it was a bit unfair and tough on them. Um, yeah. So I realized I wanted to control my time. And about mm. this t- once I'd stepped out of office, I'd been asked before about teaching at a software election, but officers tend to say, no, we want you focusing on what you're doing. They probably also Mm -hmm. would like doing a Reba role because it's voluntary and it distracts you. Um, So as soon as I kind of broke away from being an office, I had that freedom, whilst obviously if you're starting up with the intention of to start up a company, uh, which sort of evolved into as well, but once you have that freedom of time and no longer someone saying what you can and can't do, you can kind of take uh-huh. up these things. And so the option to teach came up again at actually the Canadian University through a f- friend. And I, I did that. Uh, and then that led to, to meeting the people at Harriet Watt here. Uh, and I've been right. teaching there now. I think it's four years I've taught. Yeah, it's four years there. They're on the road to being REBA accredited. So you'd get REBA part one if you Amazing. study there. There's already one other university, Abu Dhabi University, that, that does that. And a lot, so a lot of the students there are quite keen to go to the UK for part two. Actually, after and already, some are doing that. Um, so yeah, that kind of freedom, and independence, being away from a company, being in, wanting to control my time, allowed me to teach. And I, you know, I found it. Uh, I'd love to say it's because I love helping the children and stuff, but it's it's uh, well not the the students, the kids. Uh, they're a bit older than the kids. You know, the 19, the first years. Mm. Um, uh, I do like helping them. But it also helps me quite a lot. I found it yeah. helped, helped reset my design thinking, getting back yeah. to playing. Uh, forced me to go look at what's going on in the architecture world. So I became much more refreshed. I, I was getting a bit bogged down in management, actually. <laughs> so <clears> I found it quite refreshing to just talk about architecture quite purely with young people, uh, help them. And then I, was, and I started learning about education, which is also another thing to know about. And when you have a family, it's quite, you, know, you have to start thinking about how you educate them. So I, I found that quite useful, too. Um, and I've kept doing it because it's sort of, I found it something to, to do in the background. Uh, just, yeah, it's helpful for me and also helps kind of when I, at the same time I was starting up a company with a partner I have here um, and it allowed, you know, it's quite common, same in the UK. If you're starting, you have a teaching job or something to give you a little part-time income.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so yeah, as I started doing it, enjoy it, <laughs> keep doing it. Uh, I've oh, taught amazing. first year, I taught fourth year for one year. It was a bit different. And then I've taught, I'm teaching professional practice this semester, like a baby part three introduction. Ooh. I taught a bit of a climate change class as well, and all online. That was linking the UK, Edinburgh, Malaysia. Um, and I've, yeah, I've got to see that. So I'm not a faculty member, so I don't get all involved in admissions and who, who does what and problem students, all that kind of stuff. It's also quite nice. I just show up, get the best of both worlds yeah. not you? Show you know, up, talk, and, and then do my do my best to help people, and go. Yeah,
0: it kind of reminds me of me being the uncle. You know, I can enjoy with my nieces, and then I might go home and my 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 sisters there. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's a great analogy, and what I like there is you're right. So while you, yes, the teaching is important. It's I think it's great as a as a tutor, as you mentioned, and it's kind of a bit what I enjoy in the architecture social of um, when I'm involved in CV and portfolio reviews. Yes, you want to help, but it keeps me on my toes as well, mm. and I'm constantly learning. And you think you know something, and as you said, yeah, um, through being with students, your perception sometimes cha- gets challenged, and that's what it's all about—having that dialogue. So that's yeah. amazing. And mm-hmm. you touched upon your Reba, your, you know, your the Re- you're the chair of the Reba Gulf chapter now. Mm-hmm. As you, you, as you because you're a gentleman, uh, but you touched upon it briefly. I mean, it's like teaching and, you know, being involved as a managing partner for practice and being REBA chair must take up an awful lot of your time. And you're also, as you mentioned, you're, you're, you're a family man. So um, hats off to you for juggling so much. But what kind of um, why do you feel the need to kind of go into um, to, to be a REBA chair? Especially when you have so much in your play, I'd love to know mm. what drew you to kind of want to do it.
1: Um, well, the thing is, an election, you put your name forward, you don't know if you're going <laughs> to win or
0: not. <laughs> you put your name in the hat, you're like, hey, <laughs> you know if it comes through, I'll well, do it. But yeah. well, we'll see. There's lots of really good people, and you won, so well <laughs> <Yeah>. done.
1: <laughs> um, I think, well, the big networking benefit, obviously, uh, I'd been. Mm. And I, feeling the need to go a bit beyond just when you're in a company you, you're working on a project within a site a plot in a company and you're working in any company you know this this kind of small set of the i, I was getting more interested in politics and things Maybe one thing maybe all the stuff going on in the uk and america politics becoming more visible i was getting more interested in that kind of thing and uh, i was keen to kind of see something beyond architecture practice and it meant buildings and things and so Rebo does give a slightly bigger picture and mm. you start talking about you know Pushing sustainability agenda, housing. So I find that kind of opening up to go beyond a company to bring together lots of companies, lots of professionals. Talk about the bigger picture. Quite uh, probably the most interesting side of it, actually. Um, Mm. It's also been quite good fun. It was a very good way to meet people. Um, I mean, it's (laughs) quite a pure level. I should be doing it more commercially, (laughs) but I I just like the way to get to meet people that they're in the industry. I didn't really get a chance to meet them. And now, you know, the reason to get together and we arrange, obviously after COVID, we've gone all online this year, which we didn't anticipate coming. It's actually helped to reach out to a lot more people. So arranging webinars, bringing people onto the committee, arranging events. Um It's been, and people also just contact me and say, oh, uh, I'd like to be go to Reba," and have a, a chat with them uh, online. So as a way to just kind of meet people for yeah. uh, general interest. And, uh, you know, eventually it probably is networking. It's been very helpful. But yeah, I think the main thing, I like opening up the conversation to talk about sustainability on a kind of more, you know, big picture, countrywide level, industry-wide level. Um, and I, I put on my election statement, uh, see, maybe I was just too bold. I put that like, I'm going to really tackle sustainability, innovation and get more people engaged. I felt like not quite the same as London here. It's a bit harder to get people together. So I said I was going to really push for engagement with each other, uh, and it's, it seems to have worked. <laughs> so, um, and Now I'm trying to fulfill my election pledge. It's, I, one, one thing interesting of REBA is elections, not many elections in the Middle East. Um, and most, you know, REBA, as you know, the president in the UK, very, the council, there are elections for some roles. Um, chapter is all volunteers, so it's just people in practice come together, and, or education, come together, do things um mm. but you're kind of when you, you get elected even though it's probably only i don't know if it's dozens or a hundred or whatever but some people voted for you, you feel like, oh i better now deliver for what i said i would do and what they want to do and if they want to talk to me i'll talk to them and see um so i have been trying to feel that you know sort of democratic pressure to, to uh to do what people expect and would like mm. to see and no that's not i get emails from again people i didn't know and the email saying oh yes i voted for you because you mentioned sustainability and so i hope we can do something and End up setting up a we had a webinar series last week with two webinars on like really regional sustainability. That kind of stuff is all. Very interesting and, and fun as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think that's great. And I I think um do you know it's really interesting when you're talking about that because I got in, I'm involved with a charity called the Architects Benevolent Society in the UK and it's and it's great and I kinda of went into it because mm-hmm. I feel like I meet a lot of people in in terms of what I do. And the charity, it will be fun, and hopefully it can help out. But And I do that, and they're an amazing charity, and part of it is spreading awareness. What we do as part of the Cooks Benevolence Society is we we'll meet up once or twice a year, and I have the same thing that you said, that I really enjoy it. And the best thing out of it is that I've met some amazing other ambassadors in the charity, and it's great to spread awareness. And so when you're talking about the REBA and getting involved and I think uh, you're right. It is deeply rewarding. Um, I'm sure as well, though, as you said with Reba, now you've got to do your sustainability thing. I'm sure, though, I'm sure it's all being sustainable. I'm sure you're making it all sustainable, which is which is great. So we've got your teacher. You're talking about, you know, the Reba chair. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because. Um I'm quite interested to know a little bit about your current company as well, because mm-hmm. you touched upon it briefly that you were mm-hmm. when you were teaching, mm-hmm. it was part time mm-hmm. to set up your practice, which is mm-hmm. an, that is actually an ingenious way. So mm-hmm. the bills are getting paid mm-hmm. while you're setting up AMA, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. So you, yeah. So so it's not quite like because um, I've set up a business in the past and I wasn't teaching and there's, mm-hmm. this there's an element of you go into a white room where which is empty and you put a desk and you put a computer and you've got your phone and you think oh man okay here we go (laughs) you know there's that moment but it would have been smart to to teach so tell me about um you're out there you mentioned you were part of a big company and you Mm. and there must have been that moment when i don't know you were with friends or and you were like all right i've got to do my own thing
1: Mm -hmm. um just a I've been teaching professional practice. We covered all this, like a practice, how mm-hmm. ways you can do it. There's a few routes that, uh, you know, worked for many people. And uh, mm-hmm. I showed them your your podcast on the CVs, by the way, the CVs and things, because they're, oh, they're coming cool. as well. Uh, so oh, they, cool. They, um,
0: I've got more coming. I've uh, got great. more coming you know, for they, you guys.
1: They ask a lot about it, actually. They really need help with it. Um, yeah, so set, set, we covered setting up as well. And I heard have someone saying a similar story to me. When you're here, I, I assume it's the same in the UK, you, you know, people run projects in a company or whatever, but sometimes a client's kind of saying, you know what, I want to work with you. <laughs> Not so bored about your company, because maybe they have some other issues with the company, but saying, you oh, no, we want to kind of work with you directly, why, why don't you, <laughs> and you're like, well.
0: You're on, like you're on the fence, you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe I thought about it, yeah. but you know, it's a risk sort of you know,
1: stuff. And actually, my, my student, oh, it was this, you know, how does this work ethically and things? sometimes this happens, you know, kind of like with the blessing of the employer. I been mean, I know this happened in Hopkins once or twice, and I'm sure in most practices where, you know, they're quite happy to see one of their directors or whatever go off and start their own thing and even help them if they're doing smaller projects and not seen as a yeah. big competitor. So that can happen. And, uh, but, yeah, eventually you get the feeling that clients would like to work with you directly, so there's a potential to do work for more control and obviously a bit more uh, financial reward. Um, but also the main thing is, you know, the freedom um so that that was kind of happening but I, I'd always felt at some point I wanted to try doing my own thing um even if it didn't work I wanted to at least try it and it seemed like quite a good time to do it in terms of I you know, didn't quite have a family yet um there was opportunity out there the market was quite good um and yeah the 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 way I did it, I, I was kind of freelancing on a project basis so I had some income uh certainly across a year I like I was managing to get little chunks of work. Teaching came along to take up a day or so. Um, and then actually, I, so I had to set up a company just to freelance here. That's just the way it works, kind of as a corporate entity, financial entity. And I'd been trying to grow it and started talking to old clients and engineers and things. And some positive things happening. Um, mm. Actually, the first thing I pitched for, I told it one, but then it never quite happened. <laughs> it falls too easy. Mm. Um, then I started working with an old colleague who's a bit younger than me and uh, grew up here, that we worked in RMGM And he'd been doing his own thing a few years, and I'd helped him a bit at the start. And we basically started working together and sort of effectively merged. Um, and after about six months of quite a lot of hustling and doing this and that, and uh, a kind third in a competition, got paid a little bit, uh, a few months of nothing though, eventually we landed a big project. Um, and that kind of set us up to become a more proper office. And we went from working in you know bedrooms and hotel lobbies to having an office and a proper team and things. Um, so yeah, that because I can imagine this. So this is why I told my students: if, if you are going to start your own company, I'm sure a lot of people want to. Uh, you know, try and have some work lined up, <laughs> one way or another, mm. um, whether it's a side gig or a pretty solid client, a competition win, whatever. Because it's very hard. You need it's all about momentum. If you start from nothing, it's pretty risky, really. Uh, you, you might find it takes a long time to get a client, or you might be lucky, it comes quick, but. I feel like you, you do need some kind. It's not just you need a bit of work to start things moving, and then you do a good job. You've got your portfolio, something in your portfolio to show. Um, maybe they recommend you for another one. Mm. But yeah, I recommend not the not standing starts either. Have some kind of part-time job, or teaching job, side job, whatever, or have a so- solid win in the bag. Yeah, like I can understand said if somebody was in a big company, they entered a competition with their friends and they won it. You know, that's very good time to. Uh, set up a company and then if the job yeah. falls through you know, at least you tried
0: yeah I think that's really sound advice I, and I think uh, as the, you have to be as you said there's a balance between uh, having your dreams which are achievable but you have to be a bit practical and commercial especially in the first step because what you don't want to do is set something up and, and run out but um, I really appreciate your comments there with the architecture social I mean uh, and the, I, actually, I mean, we can talk about it now. I What I love uh, is doing those uh, the videos. And that came from me uh, last year when I was on furlough because the architecture industry kind of went down a little mm-hmm. bit. And it seemed at the time the best way to make content because I was doing almost one-on-ones, but it felt like a very time-poor way of instilling my thoughts and feedback because then I would almost... Do the same thing to another person and this other person. And then after I've done about four or five, I run out of time. Whereas, you know, with with communication technology where it is, and you know, with the architecture social community, so the online forum part of it, you can put a bit of content which can reach a lot of people. And so that really is the goal. And I and I, I think one of the great things even about us chatting today is there are nuances about how to attract an employer. In London, compared to America, compared to the Gulf, mm-hmm. and I think that would be really good to start dissecting the regional nuances mm-hmm. as well. Because I think you've got some core principles, especially when I say now a student is applying for a job or an architect, where a good CV mm-hmm. is a good CV. You know, there's some mm-hmm. core things which are you'll see in CVs again and again, which mm-hmm. do really well in portfolios. But there is always that regional and local sparks and finesses mm-hmm. and things that really resonate mm-hmm. internationally. So that would be really good to cover at some mm-hmm. point. And I'd love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Andy, as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking specifically with opportunities, so, because there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast who could be students but as Mm -hmm. well we've got a lot of architects in the architecture social community and Mm -hmm. so if someone was currently in the UK right now I mean let's 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 be hypothetical Mm -hmm. that the the airports open up or maybe Mm -hmm. there's someone in a month or two that discovers this podcast Mm -hmm. episode because they're interested in Mm -hmm. in Working in the Gulf and want to be involved in reba mm-hmm. is there any little first steps or advice you'd have to someone in that position?
1: Yeah, um, see so, you now, it used to be when this came up, I would advise just to come here and go meet people and be on the ground ready to start if you could do it. It's obviously yeah. not quite possible now, but if we're talking a few months ahead, it may still mm-hmm. be. And if if you do have any contact here, even in a light one, I think dropping on the line, seeing what's going on. Uh, yeah. It's not a very big community industry and there's only a handful of the big companies, the ones you'd have heard of, you know, Woods Baggett, BDP, they all have offices here. Um, this is quite a relatively small community and you might find what's going on. Often they win a big, big job and they have to hire and it's all, you know, a bit random and unpredictable. Uh, yeah. Um, the, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. Things happen quick and there's big projects that start and stop. And so they, they're kind of bit hiring on waves and here and there and sometimes just right CV landing at, the, landing at the right time. Um I mean, from there, you obviously can research what's going on. So, well, the UAE itself, it had quite a tough year last year. It was already suffering of oil price and then COVID hitting its tourism industry. But it seems at the start of this year, a lot of people I speak to are very busy. Uh, I think they're kind of bouncing back. They may well be busy, though, with work in Saudi, which I mentioned earlier. I Mm. don't know what you're hearing. Saudi is in the middle of a transformation, in the middle of a cultural Mm. and physical transformation, I went there just before lockdown for some uh, sort of BD business meetings, and it's just kind of funny that uh, UK was in a bit of a kind of Brexit will we, won't we, rut, a bit down about things. They were very excited because they can go to the cinema all of a sudden, and they can go to <laughs> uh, live live music was allowed in public. Um, very quickly, the laws that were quite restrictive were changing, um, right. and you know they're kind of they're excited about seeing what looked like normal life in other countries coming to them. And so that was a kind of cultural transformation. And it goes alongside the physical transformation. You've probably seen mm. the the main ones in, published in Tazine. well, more, actually more the high-profile ones, the the Red Sea Resort, uh, Amala, uh, Neom, the, the Lion City. I mean, Neom's going to be a huge thing, a whole new city, uh, mm. built from scratch, in the middle of the master planning it now. But there's other one, and then, yeah, the more cultural, historical side as well. There's huge developments. There's also just lots of housing, ter- lots of parks for Riyadh. There's a, they're trying to really transform the country um, with construction. And I think we're probably at the start of a wave of that going into real work, like master planning infrastructures, finishing the worker housing. And then there's going to be a lot of... Um, uh, Big projects coming some of that will be done from uh, well some have already been done in london and things but some also will be done from dubai uae because there's lots of consultants and designers here yeah. and some in region so i think there will be opportunities to certainly to go well certainly to go and be client side in saudi i know they're very uh, they're going to lead a lot of um design managers project managers and i think anybody in the uk that's worked on a kind of a big project an entertainment or cultural project Something, you know, something like an Olympic-type big infrastructure thing or even just big housing, um, they'll be quite interested in just the kind of the management skill of delivering a project. Um, mm. Kind of smaller-scale UK stuff it might be too different, but uh, the big stuff will be quite interesting for them, I think. And then uh, Dubai is actually quite a, a bit of a drop in population. A lot of people left last year of COVID and you are, yeah, you are tied to your that. job. But it, there is, I think there may be a little bit of a, a lift again. And it's probably the easiest, Dubai is the easiest city, UAE's easiest country to kind of integrate into. It's the most international, it's apart from the weather, you know, it could easily be one of the other international cities. It's pretty similar you know, and you, you see all the same shops and you even have British universities and uh, institutions here and things.
0: Um, I've got I've got a friend who's a teacher went to Dubai mm-hmm. and she's never come back. She loves yeah. it, so I, I get it. It's mm-hmm. a, and I will meet her. I met her mm-hmm. in a wedding, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Are you ever going to come back to Wales?" Because we're both mm-hmm. Welsh, and she's like, "No chance." And every time I see her on mm-hmm. Facebook and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, she's living life, you know, in the sun. And I have at that moment where I'm just like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. um, well, this one seems, seems amazing."
1: No, thing I'm going to try and get across in our meeting on Wednesday for Reba is that there are there the beaches and hotels and things but actually a lot of people here especially if they're kind of over 30 are living in a pretty normal kind of house with a garden and a dog <laughs> taking the kids to school mm. it's quite a, I mean maybe a bit closer to American lifestyle but there's a quite a normal side you just happen to see all the if it becomes up on Instagram or friends pictures yeah it's going to be like the beaches and the shiny yeah, stuff
0: the trendy bits you know, yeah. they're,
1: they're always, because it's, it is such a tourist dependent place they're always looking for a new activity to do uh, whether it's you know, a right. skydive or some restaurant in the air or whatever um, but there are you know, there's a lot of people that, a big cycling community here there's a very nice 150k desert cycle track
0: um, oh good and all of
1: golf and football and you know, a lot of sporty stuff um, so it's quite a, it's probably more normal lifestyle than people might think um, yeah and yeah, it's just maybe more American, you sort of have to drive everywhere and uh, a bit of Truman Show type <laughs> suburbia, but um, yeah, probably more, especially UAE, but I think, I think all of them are kind of developing that way a bit.
0: Mm. I think it's, it's really interesting because it's, it was really hard for me to visualize what it would be like, whether if you go out there, you're like a bachelor in a small room, but you know, or... or, or but the fact that you're talking about that you can have a nice as you say the truman kind of idyllic suburbia with your kids and and that's really interesting I mean and I'm not looking for the specifics here and you tell me from right or wrong but the the idea I had when the idea of go working international is that you've almost got to be So first of all, if you you're going from London to the UK, you've got to be okay with actually relocating. So whenever I work on roles which require um, an international aspect of relocation, the first thing I always say to someone is like, right, are you serious about a move right now? Because it's not a, a holiday per se, is it? We talked about mm-hmm. there's nice parts of it, but you're leaving and you mm-hmm. have to be okay with leaving. And as you joked about at the start, you know, you're like, yeah, I'll pop out for a bit. And you've you've been... <laughs> you know, in the Gulf for 10 years. So yeah. I think that, uh, and you touched upon it really nicely there as well, where you said employers, there's opportunities out there, but I've noticed that it can work for people who want to currently work in the UK or vice versa, that employers, I always think, will gravitate towards people who are there on the ground because it shows a level of seriousness, conviction in the search. But mm-hmm. um now that's for me more commenting than what you're saying, but the, what I was going to say is my idea of working in the Gulf is that there's a there's a trade-off because you you move you're not so especially if you're relocating you're no longer going to be in the UK you've got the pros and the cons depending on how you look at it the new lifestyle the new change and to to many it's going to be a plus but you know if for instance maybe you're precious about as you're saying it being too hot outside. In the summer, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not the place for you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've got air conditioning and stuff. Mm -hmm. But compared to a traditional UK, the the idea I had is that you sometimes work six days instead of seven days. And the salary and the tax benefits are better than the UK. But the trade-off is that you're not working in the UK. And we don't need to go into the specifics, Mm -hmm. but that generally is my perception on Mm -hmm. what it's like.
1: Um, you don't necessarily work six days. I mean, site tends to be six days. Yeah, some mm. some quite intense workplaces, but some are more normal. It is probably quite hectic, fast work. Um, right. I don't know if the hours are worse in London though. You are, I think, salaries are a lot higher still than UK, yeah. and the pound has got weaker, and you're basically pegged the dollar in the Gulf countries, um, uh, and okay. you don't pay tax. There is. There's no income tax. There's no national insurance. Alongside that, so oh yeah, I mean, your salary could double quite easily. Your net salary, uh, wow. But I mean, you're you're then outside the system, like so. You've left the pension system, um, and mm-hmm. you have to think about that. Uh, your health, you do have healthcare. Well, your employer has to give you healthcare. We have to check you're getting good healthcare, and that they give it to your family as well. Um, education, like there's no the you have to pay for school. There's not cheap if you have lots of kids but then a big right. client may give you would probably give an education allowance but a, a small company probably can't afford to probably the the bigger negative is that it's more volatile and that uh you may be lucky you may have managed to stay in a job for 10 20 years you may find that you know your company all the work stops for whatever reason out of their control and they have to let everybody go <laughs> um you have to be more able to jump between jobs or, um, or know that it, it is a bit more more volatile there's uh companies can let you go more easily, and more quickly. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest risk. And I just say you're, you're leaving, you have to be quite calm, you're leaving the country. It's a bit different if you're somebody asks you just for one summer to do, you know, help on something. But if you come I remember selling all my stuff on online and <laughs> seeing my 10 years worth of London stuff vanished down to one or two bags and then shipped to two boxes <laughs> and just from this empty flat and then appear here and grow up again. Um, so yeah, I think, as you said, it does help to be on the ground to show that you're serious. Saying that, if you'd worked in the UK on, on any project in the Gulf, which is quite possible if you're in a big company, uh, mm. that would be seen as a positive. If you had just, if you had really good experience, they might just, at some point people come here, it is also, once you've done any work here, it's easier to get another job. Uh, when you've done none, it's harder. So if you've done something in the UK, that's good. If you really had something very appropriate experience, like you worked in a stadium, they're building a stadium, it might be enough to get you to come and say, "Yeah, that's that's good enough." Um, but I think overall, they'll appreciate you know, the UK's of education and any work experience you have. There is solid and thorough, so you've still got a pretty good shout. But you've probably got to target, tailor the, the right the right company, the right information.
0: Yeah, so I've uh, so got I, the
1: doorbell ringing. <laughs> I think it's a, go, go, it's for, the okay, go for the doorbell. Go for the doorbell. this out.
0: I'll edit that out.
1: Um, sorry. Hey, now take your time.
0: Yeah. I had a, I had a live stream the other day and the Amazon man came. So it's just totally the normal. Um, yeah. But I think, look, that's great. That's a really well-rounded picture of it. And that, like everything in life, you've got to weigh up what works for you and your personal situation and what mm-hmm. you're okay with. Um, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, So we're coming up to like the 45-minute mark. And so I think we've got a bit of an overview. And I think what's great is I um I love the fact that we've gone in your journey because then it's it's really relatable and I love the fact that we're talking now about uh what you what you're up to currently your sustainable agenda we we touched upon you you're now you know you're the re- the golf chair back to back baptism of fire you know in the thick of it but what's the next agenda for you right now and um, is there anything in particular that you'd like to share on the podcast with the audience? Uh, take a
1: bit yeah, of no, no. <laughs> a coming? Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, hey, I'm here. Know. It's all good. <laughs> if you want to come here, yeah. <laughs> drop me well, a message. I'm, yeah. I'm Andy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if anyone wanting to know more, I'm always happy to talk and get yourself. on nice. anybody who comes to you you want to follow up, I'm always happy to answer any questions on lifestyle or more specific things. Uh, for me, I mean, it depends a bit what comes in the door. I'm hoping we get We've had some very interesting work last year as feasibility work that we're hoping becomes real, real work this year. Um, teaching's about to wind down for the, the term, so maybe think a bit for next year.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, I'm keen to, I find th- what's going on in 3D printed construction very interesting. And there's a government push here to get that into all, more buildings in the next decade. Uh, keen to get more involved with that. Um, Actually, I, I don't have a big plan. I just see what that's comes up take as it comes. Yeah.
0: You sound like me. Yeah. Every day as it goes, isn't it? And yeah. look, I really appreciate you reaching out. Mm-hmm. This has been a really great chat and I think that for anyone that's thinking especially to relocate to the Middle East, I think this is a fantastic intro and so mm-hmm. I will put all your contact details down mm-hmm. for everyone to get in contact now mm-hmm. and just before we go, I really appreciate you saying that you enjoyed the CV review? I'm more than happy to do any of that if you want me to help. Um, mm-hmm. But the architecture social community, I'm not too sure if I've, I've if I've invited you yet because mm-hmm. we've been speaking on LinkedIn. But mm-hmm. right now, I think just so you know, and we can. It's like a little update online. So when anyone, we're about four thousand members oh, on really? the forum. Wow. Yeah, so wow. it's all there, and it's super super cool because. Uh, There's a lady called Tara Carl who um, i had the pleasure of meeting, and she talks about uh, she's got her own group within the architecture social where she talks about speaking English as a second language. So that's really cool right now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really exciting stuff for students. Mm -hmm. So Andy, as a professor, Mm -hmm. I would love to get your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think you need to crit me on what we can and Mm can't do on the social. And maybe Mm -hmm. we can get... um, maybe we can get you to have a guest appearance uh, for the students. Mm -hmm. So so amazing. I haven't used my soundboard yet, so I'll have to give you a big clap. Thank you very much, Andy. You've been an absolute legend. Uh, Andy, absolute pleasure. Andy Shaw. We'll have all the contact details there. You are on LinkedIn. You are the managing partner of AMA, Reba Golf Chapter Chen, and a visiting professor and Dubai Future research contributor as well, and oh gosh, I'm not going to say this correctly. It's going to test my Welsh. accent. Mm-hmm. adjunct professor. Adjunct professor. Adjunct, adjunct
1: professor. I know how adjunct. it became one. It just means um, you're not you're not faculty. You're not permanent either. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: it's the hope. It's fifty-fifty of university. Yeah. It's the it's the fun bit. Yeah. Anna, thank you so yeah. much, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I will end the podcast here you now. But stay on the line. Thank you, okay. Andy. Thank you. Andy. Have a good thank day. You.
1: Thank you. Yay. Yeah.